broadcasting live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. You guys doing out there on a Redemption Thursday? Well, I hope to the cap to all of you hardworking folks that are looking for a two-hour respite with the Jeff Cameron Show and kind of hanging out. Appreciate it. Uh, if you're doing that, driving around town, working hard, listening to 93.3, or if you're doing that, of course, while watching on War Chant TV. Hello to all of you. I'm Jeff. That is Tom, Director Matthew is here as well on Twitter. It's at J Cameron Show. So we got a town hall tonight, huh, Tom? That's what's going on. Big town hall. We have a town hall. Well, there will be, uh, you know, 30 seconds for, 30 seconds against. No, no, it's just it. It'll be a fun back and forth Q&A with the CEO of Seminole Boosters, CEO and president of Seminole Boosters, Stephen Ponder. A lot of things happening for the boosters. We actually meant to do this last month, but, you know, the news cycle kept on getting filled with transfers, and then there was a lawsuits, and that continues to go. Then Mike Norvell's job future was in question. So mm-hmm. now that things have settled down, uh, it's a Q&A for the folks at Warchant.com in the message boards, and then also on the chat to ask some questions from Stephen Ponder. He's a fun guy. Looking forward to talking to him. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a good thing that it's going on tonight, and I think people will be very, very interested. So I thought I would mention that. And then later, don't let me forget, Tom, we got to talk about – the big cows and the throwing of hay and the scotch and all the good that is available to you this weekend. That may sound weird, too, but I'll explain in a bit. Well, you are one to enjoy a good festival, and I, I think a, a Scottish festival is near and dear to your heart and your bloodline, right? Oh, so that makes absolutely. sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, yeah, I, went and, I went to Scotland and checked out the Cameron Clan Castle and uh, did a lot of other cool stuff like that. Brought home the tartan, buddy. I could sport it. If I wanted to this weekend, although I'm going to be out of town this weekend, so I, I won't be here. So I had learned that there is a, a blessing of the Tartans. It's a tradition that goes back to the old days, the olden days when the uh, the English had invaded, taken over, and they banned the Tartans because that was different. Yeah, that different yeah. Wasn't they didn't cool. like it. No, the English. So they so the Scots used to go to mass, go to their church service, and hide a little piece of their tartan in a pocket, and then they would pre- present it to the priest, and he would bless it. So that, that way they would keep their tradition going. Ah. I learned that today. There you go. That was a good phone call. Most work calls suck. How about that? That's a damn fine work call is what that is. I'm checking the weather out in California because I've got, uh, I've got wagers. I've got wagers. I need to have a winning week. I feel strong about some of the selections out here today, and I – I'm checking my points on DraftKings and in my local illegal gambling pool. So this is a this is a big day. I'll give you some of those numbers to you can get in late. I should have I should have uh, maybe mentioned this yesterday before the tournament began. But you know what? It's funny. I want to I want to bring this up because 
people have responded to it. And I, I understood, I told you this earlier today, when I went out to Safelight out in Midway and sat there for two and a half hours. Yeah, um, that, that's, a, that's a toughie, buddy. That's not a lobby of thinkers. You're not, you're not going to get much there at the Safe Flight lobby. Anyhow, um, so. I, I <laughs> safe Flight repairs, Safe Flight, you'll wait. I, I don't have a problem with the work. The work wasn't shoddy. They did a good job. I'm not besmirching the work that they did. It's just that that's a, yeah, that's a toughie. Anyhow, so I saw, last night I tweeted that when, when I saw that Halfley had gone to the NFL, and left his post as head coach of uh, Boston College, I tweeted that that is a job that Adam Fuller would be very, very interested in. And I, I knew after I tweeted, after I typed it out, right before hitting send, Tom, I thought, people are going to read into this. They're going to read into this. They're going to say, they're going to they're gonna make it, Think, they're going to think that I want him to take that job or that I'm lobbying for him to take that job, that I'm trying to create momentum for him to get that job. I don't think I wield that much authority, but people are going to see into this and they're going to think that. And really, that's not my intention. That's I just tweeted that because I believe it to be true. Now, I'm not naive. I knew how it would be taken. And it was taken that way, by the way. It was, And you told me when you saw it that you thought the same thing. Uh, my first reaction was, geez, okay. That, <laughs> quote, unquote, it, it was uh, damn near Mr. Garrison's, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I ended up realizing by people's reaction that, you know, they thought that I was trying to run them out of town. And I wasn't. But it's funny how people read into that. But it is, it does make sense. That's a perfect job for him. And I had a bunch of people say, why would you take that job? Why would you? It's a dead end job. Why would you take it? I don't know because if you got the opportunity to become a head coach in a region of the country that you know and love, it's it's the opportunity to be a head coach. You'd make more money too. Uh, and and so a lot of guys take jobs that you know are not going to be the job you stay at for life in all likelihood. You know, there are stepping stone jobs. If you and and by the way. The way you view success at Boston College is very different. So if you look there at, like, just be bowl eligible, like go to a bowl, you're a successful coach. If you go six and six every year, seven and five maybe, you're going to keep your job for a good long while at Boston College. And you would do a good job. Let's say you did a good job and you got to bowls three out of every four years, seven and five, whatever it was. Um, then that you know people would be like, hey, maybe we should look at him for a better job. You you could parlay it. You wouldn't even have to be a dominant, you know, because you, you know you can't you can't get kids there that are going to allow you to dominate. So that's all that's all I was saying. I don't think he's going to take the job, but I I could see where he would want it, where he would be interested in the job. I think if they called, he'd answer the damn phone. Well, he's certainly very interested in that region of the country. I mean, it, it, where you hail from and, and he hails from there is it's an alluring thing. I mean, you know, he talks about uh, times he's been in the Northeast proudly. Uh, I just I wonder about the viability of that job in this sense. 
is the ACC going to exist as we know it in the next two or three years? Uh, is that better for you or worse that it exists or it doesn't? And, you know, that's not an, that's an athletic department where you've got to overcome an awful lot. Steve Adazio told you that when, when you, when you asked him, what's it like to coach at a place? What's it like to coach at a place that doesn't prioritize football? Well, what do you think about that? That was and, one of my and, first questions. And you were like, Ooh, well, and the other part of it was, and this is, this makes total sense to me that Halfley took a, a lifeline to go to the NFL. I think he wanted to do that anyway. Yes. Because two years ago when I was at ACC kickoff and he was taking questions about why leave the Ohio State situation for this job? You know, why, why go there? And his answer basically was, I hate big time college football recruiting. Now, that was before the transfer portal became what it is. That's before NIL became what it is. I'm sure he was so sick, tired, and over it that the first chance he got to be a coordinator at the NFL, if you're a good coordinator at the NFL level and you're hopping on a hot team right now in Green Bay, you're on the short list for head coaching candidates at the NFL level. It's a smart move and one that makes total sense. Halfley never really wanted to be in college, I don't think, as a head coach. I'll do you one better. That's the vast majority of people coaching in college. Under the current situation with unlimited transfers, and all of the other things that have been added to the laundry list of things you already have to do as a, as a head coach, as a coordinator, any of it. I think that a lot of people, if given the lifeline, as you called it, to an NFL job, which pays well and you only worry about the football, that's it, that's all. Guys sign deals, they're going to be there. You don't have to re-recruit them tomorrow and the next day and the next day. You sign a free agent, he's on your team. He ain't going anywhere. So I, I just think that that's the future, that you're going to see a ton of guys look to take what would seem even lateral movements or, or even a step back in the eyes of the ranking of position, right? Like, so it's you're a head coach here and you're a passing coordinator here. You left a head coaching job in college to take over the passing coordinator's job with the Cincinnati Bengals? I did. Yes, I did. I'm tired of recruiting. I'm tired of losing my roster every day. I'm tired of this nonsense. I can't deal with it. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm taking it to the league. You're going to see a lot of people do that. And until there is uh, probably changes, uh, that that's part of it. Now, the other part of that is the guys who do, I think, stick around, uh, let's say like Mike Norvell, you've got to be young and enthusiastic about every aspect, including embracing the parts of the job that you don't like. It just doesn't do you any good to dwell on things that bother you about a $10 million a year job. Just go do it. Just and attack it. And, and then uh, we've had this conversation about recruiting before. There are plenty of coaches who privately would tell you off the record that that's not their favorite aspect of the job, recruiting. You know, kowtowing to 16-year-old kids and, you know, watching them play three-card Monty with your hat. Uh, on signing day and, and, you know, all that nonsense. It, it, it's not fun. But the ones that are good at it attack it like they would a game plan. And they try to put in place those things that um, allow them to succeed, obviously, and they look at it tactically. Like, that, that is the kind of the way they go about it, and you have to. So if you're going to survive in today's climate, it's more of that. It's, that, it's all the things I just said times a 1,000 now. You have to embrace chaos every day. And be able to roll with the punches. You do. I think if you're in a position like Mike Norvell or you're you're a fast riser in this in industry, let's say you're good at recruiting. Like mm -hmm. Maybe you don't like it, but you're really good at it. And it's what gives you a leg up on the competition. 
the way you structure your, your recruiting plan, the way you form relationships. It's like one of your calling cards. I think you're, you're at least going to wait another two or three years to see how this all shakes out in the courts with the NCAA, perhaps the television networks, whatever reorganization is coming to the rules and commitment levels and transfer requirements. Like if I'm Mike Norvell and let's just say behind closed doors, even though I'm making $10 million a year, I'm thinking there's a shelf life on this. You know, I don't know that I can do this much longer. I still think you're going to wait a couple of years because, I mean, every day you're reading something new either in the courts with a lawsuit against the NCAA or the NCAA itself releases a brand new ruling about transfers or the television networks are doing this or perhaps there's conference realignment coming over here. It feels like we are in the middle of the metamorphosis of what we knew 10 years ago and what we're going to know like five years from now. Like I feel like we're, we're in that part where there's a lot of change coming. So if I'm Mike, or if I'm a hot coordinator who, again, is really good on the trail, I might go through hell for another year or two before I make a decision. Halfley was over it and done with it, but if I'm one of those other guys, I might just hang on a minute. He was over it and done with it, but also at a place where what he did was about as what you could do. I mean, like that, they went to a bowl, they won their bowl game. They went 7-6 and six or whatever the hell they did, and that's about what you can do. So, you know, if, if that's the best you can hope for and you're dealing with all this nonsense, you know, you're going to listen. Norvell's in an awesome situation. You know, making $10 million plus dollars a year doesn't suck for starters. It's easier to be a lot patient, a lot more patient, excuse me, when you're making that kind of money. You know, you can, you can wake up at 4 a.m. every day and work until 10 o'clock at night every day and have to do all of these unpleasant things. And then, you know, right in the middle of that, Right when you're about to complain, you'd be like, holy hell, in about five years if I want to walk, hell, in two years if I want to walk, I don't, I don't ever have to work again. And I'm 42. You know, like, it's going to be all right. So you just, you'd, you'd have to remind yourself of that. I'm making about $850,000 a month. $850,000 a month? You could you even know, visit the bad. Maldives on that kind of money, Tom. So, so my question is not about Adam Fuller going to Chestnut Hill. It's about could Adam Fuller appeal to kids from Chestnut Hill that are BC men in the trenches that perhaps are looking at their options now? That's well, buddy. I'm telling you, I think that that's to me that is the perfect job for him. I don't know that he's a candidate. I don't know that he wants the job. I, I'm just. It seems to me he would be interested in that job, and I think it's a fair assessment on my part. Yeah, it's it's a it's a match, but I'm I'm saying that perhaps there are some BC men that are northeastern bred that are going to enter the portal, and perhaps Adam would be really attuned <laughs> their sensibilities uh, as they're looking at their options. If they've got another one of those interior offensive linemen or the trenches, man, maybe maybe an inline tight end. I don't I don't know something like that. It feels like BC might be fitting that particular part of the, the shopping list. Should those kids want to? open up their options. Funny part is you can uh, you can find a linebacker most years from there where you're like, look at that, another very good linebacker who happens to be of Polish descent. There he is. That's amazing. They've had 40 of those guys. Well, what do you know? They got a center named O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> <laughs> he's got red hair and he's mean. <laughs> yeah. But over the years, they have had plenty of very talented offensive linemen Except for, let's think back to a couple of seasons ago, where we, if we thought we had it bad, Tom, 
That entire offensive line was decimated by injury, and they were using defensive tackles on the offensive line. And I was thinking to myself, that can't be fun. No fun to go to work when you're like, man, I got a guy that's never played offensive line starting for me at tackle this weekend. This is a long day. We got Clemson. This is going to suck. You know, and, and that was kind of – it's funny to watch it from afar. When it happened to Wake Forest, it was funny. But it's not funny when it's you, when it's your offensive line that's hurt because you can't do anything. It's the most frustrating thing in the world. And then people are irrational when they watch off – people already hate offensive lines. Like, very few people that you talk to that are fans of a team think their offensive line's any good. They could lead the nation in rushing. And if you took a random mic and put it in front of the, the fan base and said, how do you think your offensive line has played this year? Like, ah, you know, we thought they were going to be so much better. You know, you lead the league in, in rushing. And uh, not just that, 7.4 yards per carry. Yeah, but, I mean, that's, that's really inflated. You know, there's a few games where they really succeeded. That's mainly inflated. Like, nobody thinks their offensive line is any good. I can't remember the last time I heard somebody say, man, our offensive line is just an ass kicker. Look at this offensive line. It's incredible. You don't see you, – maybe the 92 Cowboys? Well, uh, maybe the Miami game last year in 22 for Florida State. Or, uh, you know what, the best offensive line performance I've seen, and it was a sad day, but it was the Rose Bowl, 14-15. Hmm. What they did to Oregon's defensive line was, I mean, subhuman. It yeah. was ridiculous. Dalvin Cook had six feet in width on almost every carry. Problem was, he didn't take the ball with him yeah. often enough. Yeah, that was it frustrating. Was, that was absurd. With it. And that was that year when you moved Big Rod Johnson into left tackle mm-hmm. and Cam became the center. That O-line was the best of the 29 straight. Like, of that run of 29 straight, that O-line was nasty. Big Rod Johnson. Big Rod was fun. He's a good player. And then he went downhill. Like the yeah. best he ever was might have been his first, second, third, fourth, fifth start. It's, yeah. Jimbo said, wait, do you see what's next? It's like, no. No, no. He got progressively worse, Jimbo. Still mad at you about this. It's Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a 
beer giant thing no. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Chef Cameron Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Sitting in the end zone is what it looks like if you're going to the spring game this year. West sideline bleachers having been demolished. And um, I've not been over there since they started construction. I'm eager to see it. Of course, the project, which is obviously uh, it has raised the ire of some. Um, won't be completed until they finish uh, this season, until we get before the 2025 season. And then you'll have more seating options, Tom, and additional climate-controlled club spaces as well, and uh, more amenities as well. That's what you got. Climate-controlled club spaces, you say? Mm. You think think that uh, any of those will be the Cameron Club or the – Tom Lang Memorial, as the we, we once rallied for? As I understand it, I mean, you know, the, the Lang Memorial Champions Club already is climate controlled. It's just the seats aren't. But, you know, you mm. can go into a climate controlled environment if, say, you're up 41 to 7 and it's in the third quarter in September mm-hmm. and it's 107 degrees. You might you do it. To, you might take advantage of that. Go to the climate controlled section of the Lang Memorial Club and uh, enjoy a beverage or two, and then watch the game through the glass. You know, The best part of that club, my namesake club, is the outdoor standing rail on the second level. That is 100% that, the right thing. That is, It's awesome. It is. Now, you need to have a plan when you get up there to have one designated person handle the refills. Honestly, the widest-bodied person you got needs to be the one that stays because they can box out the space so person number two can go get the refills for the group. But, yeah, that's the best spot. Because then you have the Jimbotron across the way, and you can see the actual regular copy as you're watching the close tight copy in front of you. No, Jamie, we are not sacrificing Tom. We just called it that because we wanted it to be built in his honor at yeah. one point, and we wanted to get out in front of it. Many years before he died, it would already be named that. It's a living memorial. That's right. Yeah. A living yeah. memorial. That is correct. And – I, of course, am responsible for the paint job on the scoreboard, the Jimbotron, as you called it. But my paint job looks fantastic, as it does, as it did over at Hauser when I got some things changed there, too. And I've still got more work to do. Now, I wanted to demolish the whole damn stadium. We should rip it down. We should start anew. Start fresh. And in order to fund the kind of team that we need, it should be sponsored by whoever is the cable provider at Florida State University. And that's the name of the uh, – that's one of the names of a plaza area or something right there. And then there you go. 
Well, I do think that uh, Metronet Dickhauser Stadium does have a nice ring to it. You know, that sounds very of the times. Mike Martin Field at Metronet Dickhauser Stadium. There you you go. can do it. I don't want to change Dickhauser Stadium's name, but I w- you have to incorporate uh, Comcast or however you do it, and uh, or Metronet or whomever is sponsoring for all that. That's what they do at uh, a lot of places in the SEC. You'll see that. And then you create – because – out there by the circus, if you had – well, it, actually, if you just bulldozed it, as I've said before, and then built over at the intramural fields, we could all walk out of Madison Social with cocktails in hand and roll on over to the baseball game. It would be ideal, right? And then – because I get jealous watching other people watch baseball at other stadiums. <laughs> Every time it's college baseball and they go to another stadium, like, well, that stadium's better than ours. And ours was once – the, the creme de la creme, it was the one that everybody envied, but we've been passed over. And now passed over can mean like by everybody. You're, why is Wake, why is their stadium better than ours? Why is Virginia, why is Virginia, like all these college baseball stadiums are infinitely better than ours. It pisses me off. Well, you see what they've done over at the softball stadium the last couple of years. Yeah, they the added deck. the one deck. So they added the deck that is above the first baseline. Which That's where awesome. you have the all- – all you can eat, all you can uh, care to imbibe. And then now what used to be the berm on the left side, the third baseline down to left field, they completed the deck work there as well. So it's, uh, I would say that the softball game day experience exceeds that. And I know it's a smaller venue, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it exceeds that in terms of watchability and uh, modern amenities. We got to do better. We got to do better. I'm sure Link Jarrett would agree with you. He would, and they did some things. They've, they, you know, they've put lipstick on a pig. They've done some things, and uh, you know, it, it happens that way. But uh, I, I, I think they got to start fresh. Just knowing what I know about the the underground and all the problems they've had. I mean, they, there are some things that are better. They get they get uncomfortable when I um, when I bring this up. It's it, it reverberates through the halls, and they get mad. Not Link, but Florida State folks get mad at me, and I'm like, what? I'm not wrong on this. The stadium looks like, hey, let's get it together. <laughs> it's By like, the way, uh, while you're there, can we get the dust off the fans? That's like when uh, Jimbo would get mad about things that happen in the games. Like, look, coach, you can't close games like you can practices. We see it. Like, we have to comment on what we see. I used to say know? it all the time. Like, hey, man, that third and six call happened. I'm going to bring it up. It directly led to a turnover, which led to a score, which led to our loss. Let's have a conversation here. I know you'd like to close the games to the media and the public <laughs> and be able to tell us what happened afterwards, but, uh, you know, sorry. That's the, we were allowed in. So more uh, Q&As today from uh, the, the newcomers at Florida State, and I must say that uh, all in all, I've been very, very pleased with almost everybody that I've seen interviewed and uh, the, the thoughtful responses and – uh, what we talked some uh, about yesterday was added to again today, where you have guys describing Florida State as a as a can't miss destination. And you know, look, we want to believe that's true, but it bears more weight when players who've been at Alabama and been at LSU and been at Georgia say that. It's just it's exciting, and it's cool that that seems to be a kind of a, a through line, a theme for a lot of these guys that. When they were thinking about leaving their previous school, Florida State was certainly one of the first names that came to top of mind for them and, and that they were hearing that 
in other circles from other players, and then they had seen it with their own eyes during the transformation where now Florida State's won, you know, as they with 23 games the last two years. So I just, that makes me smile, buddy. It's a little bit like when you're watching the draft and like nine knolls go. It's, it just makes you smile. It's a good sign that your program is doing good things. Which is what you're about to watch the NFL draft, which is good. But yeah, I thought well, among the guys that spoke today, Dura Jaye stuck out to me because he, he talked about his process of how he exited West Virginia, entered the portal, and then chose Florida State. And he remembered the exact dates. Like that, t- that tells you something about a kid's mindset. He said, well, on December the 28th, my dad and I had a discussion. Uh, by yeah. the time that my name was in the portal, it was the 1st of January. Then I was here so-and-so day. It took me four days. Like I-, I like that. So you've got a cerebral guy who is detail-oriented. And then also towards the end of his talk, he, he had mentioned how Auburn and Florida State were the two key players for his services, but it was the personal touch of Florida State that put him over the top, as well as the fact that what Coach JP had done with Jermaine Johnson and Jared Verse and what he's currently doing now with Patrick Payton was a real eye-opener and in, in what he could be potential-wise. Man, I love that because that, we can talk about that all day, Yep. but sometimes the talking points we have somehow, someway don't reach the kids. Like they don't reach them in the high schools. They don't reach them in the portal of course. and they don't see the obvious, but he was, and he understood that he was coming to a place where you have really good players that were turned out to become better high draft picks. And that's what he believes he is, which was pretty cool. Well, this all, you know, a, a, a success story in the portal like that, begets more success stories uh, because you get more at bats. You get more guys that see that first one. Then they decide they want to add to the ledger because they have a clear path now to where they want to go, and there's evidence that it can be done. And so then they go, and now you got two, and now you got three, and now you got four, and and it just continues to build on itself. You're hoping that that season that they had on the field last year, coupled with the successful, not as good as we had hoped for, and there's room for criticism, but there's also room to note that it's the best class from a high school ranks that Mike Norvell has signed yet. So you have the good with the bad there. It could have been better, and they've got to figure out how to close better on a couple of key five-star kids moving forward. But does that combination of going undefeated last year and then having a top 10-ish class in the high school ranks, does that also see improvement, uh, and does that beget future success, as I say the portal successes do? Let's hope, because now you got a marriage of all kinds of goodness, if that happens. It seems to be, yeah, the direction that it's going. It's just a, the hit rate for these interviews. Sometimes the high school kids can be a little bit shakier because they're scared. They haven't been in that kind of a setting where they're standing at a podium. Like There may have been a, an announcement. There may have been a signing day ceremony, but there's nothing like being grilled by the media. And I'm not saying it's because we're tough. It's just a very weird setting if you've never been mm-hmm. in it before. But I thought B.J. Gibson handled himself very well today. Uh, there'll be more coming in the next few weeks of, of the early enrollees who are the freshmen. I'm just very impressed that anytime somebody steps up to the podium and they're prepared and they're not talking from a, a sheet that the coaching staff had presented to them or sports information had presented to them, they're willing to tell their story, but they all have something in common. And that is either directly a chip on the shoulder or an emphasis on, I just want to get to work. Like, I'm almost, I'm over this. I'm, can I just go do what I need to do? I love that. That's what this program has been about. And it's a through line now that Mike Norvell has gotten his own players in here. You see that common thread, which is, I just want to go get to work. So they do a really good job of vetting these 
these personality types to make sure that they get guys who come in, in, in here and fit, not just in the portal, but in high school as well. BC Noel asked a question here. It's a good day for a question. Really, February is kind of uh, the month where you have a little bit more loosey-goosey on the regular in terms of topics because obviously it's quiet right now as we get geared up more and more towards uh, spring practice and, and we're just now learning the personalities of these guys and so forth. But people have questions about areas where we can improve in the offensive lines one. And he says, why can't we develop high school offensive linemen, as Corey said? Um We've talked a little bit about, uh, I've said before that oddly, I feel like it's an important year for Alex Atkins coming up. Now, it's unfortunate that he's been suspended for a few games. Um, but again, I don't think that'll affect the job status. I don't think it'll affect the way he goes about doing his job. He's able to coach during the week and develop guys. It's weird with Alex because we had a love affair initially with him, and he's a no-nonsense guy. He's great to talk to. He takes ownership of everything to do with the offensive line, so you can ask pointed questions. He's a big he's a big guy. He can handle it. He's a big boy. He's not worried about what kind of questions you ask. But I, I do think it's fair to point out that was not a great year last year for this offensive line. They were one of the weak spots of the team, and we may have we have may, may have missed on a couple of guys there that uh, were – or, or uh, miss is not the right word, but they were not what we thought they were going to be. And uh, and they had injuries. I, you, you're going to want to see a couple of those young guys take a big step forward this year. But I think a couple of guys have a real chance to do that. And so we'll watch very closely because when you say we can't, I don't agree with that. I think we can. Have we done it as frequently as you'd like to see? successfully across the board uh, year to year? No. Can it be done? Yes. And I do think, I do think Alex is a good coach, but this will be an, an important year for him. I really believe that. The good news is that unlike perhaps some other position groups, namely maybe one, there is a long track record of bringing in blue chip talent on the offensive line, like dudes other teams wanted and closing the offensive line out of the high school ranks. It could be, uh, Monacy ITT this year, Jonathan Daniels. Last year it was Lucas Simmons, and they brought in Andre Otto, who was a three star. Who I love. They were, I think they were looking for the right things there and what they got. And then the year before, they brought in the slew of players, many of which have now since departed, but they were sought after by a lot of other power programs, four stars. And it's not like there's a bunch of project players, quote unquote, three stars that are coming in. And if everything falls right, this player is going to turn into this. I mean, if they're going down, they're going down with players that a lot of power programs are interested in. So it's not the same thing. Like, while it's a concern, I don't think it's the same thing where you're saying, well, you're working with no, yeah, you, you don't no have blue yeah. chippers. Mm-hmm. So you're not even giving yourself a fair chance. Like, he's giving himself a chance here. The, the offensive line is giving themselves a chance. And I, I think the offensive line will be better this year. I, I don't know how it couldn't be, but it, it better be. And I do think that people will be watching. I mean, the honeymoon's over. Like the, hey, this guy's awesome stage. We'll see. There's a lot of we'll sees going out there now. Like, let, let's see how this year goes. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, Seminoles, we all know how important it is to score in the red zone, but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone? Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. 
They're making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy. The Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Jeff Cameron Show rolling on Redemption Thursday. Really quickly, let me alert you to something. That's a good time. And, um... If you guys are going to be around this weekend, it's an opportunity for you to do something fun. If you're here in Tallahassee, it is right here in our own backyard, the second annual Tallahassee Highland Games Scottish Festival. Two-day event, Saturday and Sunday at uh, Appalachie Regional Park. Saturday, that's 8.30 a.m. till 8.30 p.m. That's a party. Sunday's 9 to 5. If you're an adult, and uh, you want to have a good time, there's uh, scotch tasting, which doesn't suck. If you enjoy the world's strongest man competitions, for example, you could have a scotch while watching the Highland Games, which the world's strongest man is kind of based on, right? The roots of that. They're holding the national championships for the saber toss. That's a giant log flipping for you guys out there that don't know what that is. You know, if you just think about it, Men were destined to do that. Just standing around, you know, it wasn't long before one of us grunted to the other that they could flip a log further than the other. Yeah, that's the, uh, hey, guys, let's let's give the old caber toss a try, and then let's uh, go grab some uh, Atlas stones and run around. <laughs> Atlas stones. Yeah, the uh, stone uh, weighs as much as 400 pounds. Uh, so that's, you know, for other people to do. And uh, here you go, kids. You get to pet these cows, and they're massive. They're those big Scottish cows, and they got long hair. They're huge, big dairy cows, right, uh, Tom? I almost called you Bryce. Yeah, that yes, uh, no to the name, yes to the cows. Yeah, they're they're long haired cows. They are. Uh, if you want to do something with either a significant other or your kids, they're adorable. These animals are adorable so you, that will be a win for you in and of itself while you can go get some beer for yourself tallyhighlandgames.com tallyhighlandgames it's all together dot com to purchase tickets get on it i think we may give some away i don't know we might good stuff we very well might maybe you might want to stay tuned next hour maybe just maybe hey i got a i got a bow to put on a story that we talked about uh, months and months ago because it's awesome and here you go tom i don't know if you realized we came to a conclusion here. Remember, uh, remember the name Brad Bohannon. Brad Bohannon. It you, does you, ring. You know bell. why you kind of maybe remember the name Brad Bohannon? An official? I don't know. There you go. Uh, on April twenty eighth, twenty twenty three, prior to Alabama's baseball game against LSU, is it coming back to you now? Yes, the casino and the yeah. friend. Yeah. Mr. Bohannon sent several texts uh, <laughs> to a bettor, 
that uh, Bohannon knew well. And uh, the electronic messages, as it states in the, uh, in the case here, uh, indicated that an Alabama baseball student athlete, the starting pitcher, for those of us at home, for that night's game against LSU, would not be able to start the contest due to an injury. Bohannon provided that information to the better before reporting the starting lineup, uh, and it had a student athlete being replaced as the starting pitcher, and he showed him who instead would be starting. Uh, He did this before giving the LSU coaching staff the starting lineup, and Bohannon texted the better, and now we know what he texted the better. He texted HAMMER in all caps. (laughs) And then wrote, Let me know when I can tell LSU. Hurry up. Hammer. Hammer this repeatedly. (laughs) That's good stuff, my man. Way to cost yourself a $500,000 a year job. What I can't what was he betting? How much did he stand to win? There are limits on these things first of all. College baseball bets. Hey, what was he going to win? I'd like to know how much he was able to get down or was trying to get down to supplement his $500,000 a year income by letting this guy at the casino know who the hell was or was not pitching that night against LSU and as memory serves, they ended up starting a guy that hadn't started for like the first week of the season. Like, the guy hadn't been out there at all. You're just trying to get caught, dumbass. Hey, Jerry, you know what time it is? It's, it's <laughs> duffel bag time. Go get the duffel bag. Fill it up with some cash. Think about that. I mean, that th- there is a series of mistakes made here that guarantees you're going to get caught. Um, But, like, I don't know too many people that – I mean, I know some dumb people, and they wouldn't do this. This, this like, screams IQ of 72. Like, there's no ch- – how do you have your friend fill up a duffel bag, two of them, and walk into a casino, and then you're texting him? Uh, <laughs> the whole thing. The whole thing is hilarious. Anyhow, he's done. Excuse me, sir. Are you saying you want to bet the LSU college baseball game for fifteen grand? And the friend, you know, is not. He's yes. not presentable. Yeah, he is not presentable. The he's been like, drinking for three days. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Nothing I do. odd about it at all. No, no. Just take the money. Take it. Just take, take it. it. Here, look. It's in a duffel bag. <laughs> my man. I gotta call my. Just take the money. No managers. Just take. Come on. Come on. You can do it. Come on. There's 15 grand in that bag, and there's 15 more where that came from. I wanna, I wanna bet, I wanna bet LSU tonight. I just, I got a strong feeling in this college baseball game that LSU is gonna win against Alabama. And he has the phone with the obnoxiously loud text tone, so the entire place is <laughs> leaning. Yeah, every t- yeah, he's, definitely bet it. Definitely got bet it. It seems like got it. Like he's talking to nobody. Yeah, got it. That that picks up the that is a fun read. Um, provision of inside information for sports wagering purposes is what he got caught uh, violating there, and that is an exact text message. Um, Hammer in all caps. The name of the pitcher for Alabama that's not starting. 
is out for sure. Let me know when I can tell LSU, hurry up, hammer. (laughs) That guy, you know they thought they were smart. That's my favorite part. That guy was making $500,000 a year, and that's the judgment that he has. Like, that is tough to imagine. That is all-time good. I love that we get stories like this. Also, it does let a lot of people know, if you think about that story and then the story of uh, Boutte, right? Like, you're going to get caught, man. They're not dumb over there. They, 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 They follow these things closely. They could have been as dense as Bohannon's friends, man. When when your handle says Kayshawn Butte one, and for DraftKings, like, I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> well, hey, hey, Jim, what do you know? We've got a couple of big bets on LSU football from Kayshawn Butte one uh, on the was, over for receiving yards and touchdown receptions for, for Kayshawn Butte, the receiver. <laughs> They were placed in Baton Rouge. Judging by the IP address, it looks like perhaps the athletic facility at LSU. Uh, Should we flag this? (laughs) It is something to behold. I mean, that is something to behold. That is, uh, hmm, my man. I love it, though. I love these stories. You can come back to them time and again, and they will entertain. But it's also further proof that, hey, look, they got a good handle on this thing. They're paying close attention to all involved in the gambling world. I hear, I still hear it. I still hear the naive take that an NFL player is going to throw a football game in order to win a bet. Really? An NFL football player making millions of dollars a year in order to win a bet is going to throw away a career to throw a football game. How much money do you think you would have to get to throw a football game? How much money could be won without drawing attention to yourself it's it's insane like we're not it's not gonna happen now you'll get dumb guys who bet on the games who get caught betting on games it's already happened but throwing games is a very different discussion ask um Kadarius Tony I think he's a good candidate to ask <laughs> how hard because you know what the, the, the actual the nice cherry on top is you build the reputation that you don't catch passes. So that way, when you drop one, people are just mad at you for your inability. They don't say, well, that's strange. Why, why did, I mean, he catches everything. He just dropped that one. If you build the reputation, nobody's the wiser. That's how you cash in. So Tony would be the guy I would ask. I bet they were after that early season loss when he had like six drops. <laughs> I mean, that, that was one of those all-time bad days where you'd be like, look at my man out here. You got to be a little bit more suave than this. You can't drop as a professional receiver every single pass thrown your way. If, if he was playing for Clemson and it was against Florida State, they'd be questioning his integrity because they did for Boyd in, in 2013. Did they really? I don't remember oh, yeah. that. They questioned their his integrity? They questioned if he was maybe trying to throw the game. Oh, yeah. good Lord. Yeah, it's comical to think about. The idea of a professional wide receiver, like if you're or, or anybody – Who's making, you know, seven, eight, nine million dollars a year or more. And uh like they they get a call from a guy who's, you know, mobbed up. Hey, we we're gonna need you to throw these games. <laughs> like, wait a minute, man. I'm rich as hell. Why <laughs> I don't need the seven hundred thousand you're gonna give me, maybe. I mean, at best, I don't, it's all right, I'm good. 
making a lot of money, man. Plus, they pay attention to stuff like this. Phil, we've got a prop bet on number 12 that you're going to three putt. Can, can you handle that? <laughs> guys, I might do that without trying. So, yeah. you know what? You're yeah. golden. Yeah. No, guys do bet. Now, I'm not saying guys don't bet. Guys bet, and they get caught. They get caught. But, yeah, I mean, lots of people probably have violated that rule. But throwing games is a different discussion. That's the one where I raise an eyebrow when I hear people say, that. Eh, they're not throwing games. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.